0: and welcome back to Hot Off The Press. I'm Jillian of Studio Soprano and I am here with the always lovely Mariah of Mariah Creates. And today we are wrapping up this fourth season of Hot Off The Press by talking about something that has seen massive improvements in our shop these past few months and that is working with large print
1: areas. Oh, boy. Yeah, unless you're running prints on a flatbed press, and even then sometimes, uh, large print areas can be really daunting. We don't want to give a specific dimension for what a large print area is, because that's different for every press. It's not going to be the same for someone who's printing on a 12 by 18 Chandler price as it is for a three by five Kelsey. So uh, for the sake of this episode, (laughs) when we say large print area, we're referring to utilizing nearly all the printable area you have, whatever that may be. And I will say that I've read on the internet, so you know, take it with a grain of salt, that it's what, 50% of your Chase size is your quote unquote printable area?
0: Yeah, 60%. So yeah, if you're running an 8x12 eight, eight CMP and you have a 6x9 base from Boxcar, that's 56% of your <laughs> Chase. So yeah, I would say somewhere between 50 and 60%, yeah.
1: Yeah. And, you know, we're also going to specify that we're not just talking about text here. Printing a five by nine menu on an eight by 12 press isn't challenging, but printing a blind pass pattern across that entire background of that menu. Whoa, baby. Now that is what we're talking about. So um, (laughs) like Jillian mentioned, we both have really pushed ourselves to improve in this area of printing most recently, especially, I think we're really just kind of growing in our skills and starting to hash out the details, but both out of need for clients because they've asked for it or their designs require it and also out of our desires to just incorporate more patterns into our portfolios or into our own custom designs.
0: Yeah, I'll be damned if I let all these flatbed printers be the only ones who get to have fun, big patterns in their portfolio. (laughs) I will be damned, people, so.
1: Nothing can stop us.
0: I know, seriously. When I first got my press, I had a lot of ideas because I come from an interior design background and the hotel that I was working on right before I left, it had all of these amazing textures in it because the theme was natural, right? So we had a lot of these terrazzos and woven wall covers and all this stuff. And I really wanted to bridge that transition and make fun stationary for my interior designer friends. And I just wasn't skilled enough at the time to be able to print those types of patterns. I remember I ordered, um, I was doing Christmas cards and I had just like a snow globe orb and I couldn't even get the round snow globe orb, which was probably only two and a half inches or maybe three inches in diameter to print evenly. And so I just never tried those other ones at that time because it just seemed really hard. But now I see stuff and I'm like, I could do that. And I need to go back and do all those other ideas I had way back
1: when. Yeah, I basically have the same experience. Definitely when I first started, I had I remember for for me, it was a Christmas card. It was a candy cane striped pattern. And I did it in I was going to do it in an A2. So four and a quarter by five and a half inch size. And I remember just putting it on my press and immediately just taking the plate back off and throwing it away because (laughs) I was just like, there's no way I'm ever going to figure this out. And then on the other side of the spectrum, so literally two days ago, what day is it? Yeah, two days ago, yesterday, I was printing, I ordered these, I'm doing some new cards for a spring market, and I ordered these patterns to print that I probably never would have done properly before. And I'm so happy with how they've printed. And we'll get into why that actually worked out this time around a little later on, but yeah, it's just really fun to see progress, you know, in our own skills to look back on those designs and be like, Oh, I could totally do that now. And I understand why I couldn't do it before is really, is really cool. So I'm very proud of us. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. So if you're out there listening I am too. and you tried to design or print something and you just couldn't get it to work, hopefully one day you too will be able to get it to work.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we believe in you Absolutely. wholeheartedly. Absolutely.
1: Where there's a will, there's a way. Yes. (laughs) Stay stubborn, my friends.
0: (laughs) So, okay. So let's cover some of the things that have helped us and some of the considerations that people might want to take when they're tackling this first big project of theirs. And let's start with just designing, because that's obviously really where all letterpress projects start with. When you're designing for a large print area, you just need to be aware of your press's capabilities. Every press has a certain amount of pressure can apply, which of course you can adjust a little bit by adding packing. But at the end of the day, there's only so much packing you can add before that press locks up. Mm -hmm. So for the sake of conversation, let's just imagine that every press out there has one, each individual press has their own fixed amount of pressure that they can apply that pressure is going to be the same whether you're printing one word or you're printing an entire pattern. And the distribution of how that pressure is applied, so that one word is going to bite into your paper because it's just one little word. But if you have a bigger pattern, then that pressure is going to get distributed across your entire pattern. So now you're not going to get that same level of impression. So if you have elements with lots of breathing space around them, they're going to print gorgeously, even if you're covering a large design area. So if you're doing a five by nine menu, but you have these line work florals going all across the back, if they have a lot of breathing space, you're going to get a decent bite with that, even though it's a large pattern. Essentially, the less surface you have, the more pressure you're going to have. So that means if you don't have a lot of breathing space and everything is really, you know, packed in, it's not going to bite into the paper, but those still can be printed. It's just going to look like a kiss print. So the reason I brought up some of the detail work that clients have been sending me is that they want it to be a blind pass Mm -hmm. and just things with that fine of detail are not going to come out super well as a blind pass, it's honestly just going to all meld together. But now if we were printing that with a colored ink, you would see all that detail because it would, it prints more like a kiss impression and you could slam that kiss impression into the paper, but you're not going to get all the peaks and valleys and stuff if you haven't given the paper enough space to like rise up into those. So that's my little thing on the science
1: of surface pressure. <laughs> yeah, and I think I think one of the I think one of the ways we can hopefully illustrate this to those of you who aren't familiar with printing. So for designers, when for an example, I'm, I'm thinking of just the other day, I was printing this large pattern on 110 pound cotton cardstock, right, and I had extra packing material, you know, everything was set up. It was a beautiful impression. It was nice and even, it was just enough impression. It was a card, so it doesn't have to be that big. Anyway, so point is, large print area, everything is perfectly set up. I was printing the same color for another design on a different card, same paper, same ink. I haven't changed a single thing. Swap out the plates for just a simple line of text, and all of a sudden I need to remove most of my packing material because that level of pressure per area is such a big difference that it literally, I need an eighth of an inch less packing material for the same paper, same everything except for the design. So, you know, that little bit of text, all of a sudden it's cracking the paper and going basically all the way through it, even, but that pattern, it was barely giving an impression. So, you know, that's kind of, hopefully that helps. I don't know if that really illustrates it great, but that's the dramatic difference between you know pressure and surface area is literally that big of a difference, and and setting up the press is, I mean, it's just a whole different ballgame when you're printing a tiny bit of uh, text versus a large area. So anyway, <laughs> I don't know if that really is yeah. very clear, but I, in my head, it's no, it totally.
0: In, in, I, well, I guess in my head it's very clear because I also understand yeah. it, but yeah, <laughs> I've <laughs> I joke now that. I move my platen around so much because I really like the position I have it in when I'm printing a little bit larger of a pattern. But then when I go to print my logo on the back mm-hmm. of cards, I have to change it yes. because I can't. There's no there's no amount of packing I can remove that will still not overprint that area. 100%. So.
1: Yeah, percent. So yeah. Okay, so other than adjusting, you know, your spacing as far as your design elements and moving those things around. Your line widths can also be a really good tool to experiment with. So obviously you have to keep in mind your plate maker's specifications. There's a minimum line width you have to work with. But if you have a tighter print area and maybe, maybe you can make those lines a little bit thinner and that may help you still get that nice crisp impression in a larger design. And don't forget to add some bleed if you plan for this pattern to run off the edge of the page. If your pattern features more than one color, it's always smart to give yourself some registration marks to make sure everything will line up perfectly. And the last design kind of element I want to mention is splitting up your artwork. This is almost exclusively something to be done in the design phase for a few reasons. It's very <laughs> rare that you can do this, make this decision when you're already in production. It has been done. <laughs> but I, I have definitely do done Do not it. <laughs> recommend, yeah. If you're aiming for full bleed <gasps> florals in the corners, let's say your florals bleed off the top, top and right and bottom and left, right? So you have those opposite corners. Well, can you divide that into two passes? Mm -hmm. Could be a good option to consider. It's definitely something that you're going to be, if you're printing this design, it's something that you're going to be kind of, you need to be ready to look out for ink coverage and color. As you go through a print run of any kind, your ink will vary from start to middle to finish just as there's less ink on the ink disc or on the press. So just be aware of that and stay on top of it as much as you can so that when you're printing that first set of florals and the second set of florals, they all match. If you were to just continue printing from top to bottom and not add more ink to your disc, they are going to look like two different colors. So, you know, if you are, you know, if you feel confident in that or if you're just really ready to pay attention, that can be awesome. It also, I think works really well when you're talking about a blind pass because or really light colors, because you know, there's gonna be less variance, it's gonna be less noticeable to the visible to the naked eye. But with like dark colors, or really vibrant colors, it's going to be very difficult to get those to match, but it is doable. So that's a fun option to consider.
0: This especially for all of our friends printing on really small presses like tabletop presses, Mm -hmm. this is likely your best Mm -hmm. option for printing a bigger pattern. And I have done for my A2 greeting cards, I have done full bleed patterns with color and layers and all of this stuff. And before I dialed in all the things that we're going to talk about in this episode, and I had basically a really small printable area, even though I was running on an 8x12, I would cut up my patterns into two plates Mm -hmm. and I would just work with that. So it is totally possible. Black is always your best friend if you're doing that. It's no ink or black ink is kind of your best friend. Colors, sort of any range of colors can be a little precarious, but you can also design it in such a way where even if the color is slightly off, maybe it starts to look like an ombre then. is The whole concept of designing for letterpress is knowing your parameters and knowing what this process is and making smart choices regarding that process. So if you are going to split up your plates, you could say to yourself, "Okay, this is actually it's fine if it's slightly different from top to bottom. Maybe I even want that. Maybe I even want to run them opposite. You know, the the heavier inked ones will go when the press is down with lower ink. And now you have this cool two-toned or ombre effect.
1: Yeah. And didn't you also do one where you just printed the same color a second pass and it was a third color? Or is that not really relevant?
0: Yeah, no, I did do that. And a part of that also was I wasn't getting good ink coverage. And so I just took the same color and I did it twice. And then there was another one where I cut out some of the elements. I literally diced up a plate so that some of the let's say it was a fruit pattern. Some of the strawberries were a slightly lighter pink than the other strawberries, but all of that was the same plate. I just cut some of it out. Yeah, I will say also
1: (laughs) on kind of the same note, you could also consider instead of making your design one color, one plate, What about Mm -hmm. splitting that design into more colors? If you have, uh, let's say it's just a simple flower pattern. It's a little daisy with a little center. It could just be one pattern and it's just a daisy and a blind impression. But what if you split that into two and the centers are now going to be a really light yellow or something? Boom, you automatically have divided your printable area. So um, this is, I think, the one time where printing multiple colors could be a huge advantage.
0: (laughs) It totally is. Yes, every single time. I do a pattern for better mail or anything. I am always looking for a way of how can I divide this? And at the end of the day, I do usually want to shoot myself cuz I'm like, "Oh my gosh, I just We're took this. this. It's going to be a nightmare." Yeah. What could what could be a one one and done card into, you know, whatever. Yeah. But at the time, I just I didn't have the setup that supported, you know, a really good overall pattern. So, I would, you know, Even if they were the same thing, they were all strawberries or they were all butterflies. I would take some out to print as a different color Mm -hmm. just so that I knew I was reducing the amount of surface area, increasing my ability to get good print coverage. Perfect.
1: Perfection.
0: Yeah. Love it. I love that you brought that up because I totally forgot about that. And it is such an amazing trick. It's such a. And now yeah. I'm just thinking, even if you had <laughs> this cool big floral pattern and you kind of divided them in a way where it wasn't a straight line across, and then you speaking, took it yeah. and it was a really light pink and then just a slightly darker pink. And you, you could actually leave the same pink on the press. You could just hit it twice yeah. and then hit it three times. And now you've ombreed from light pink to dark pink without ever changing the ink on your. T- Desk.
1: You could even just not ink up in between plates. Just use the less ink that's on there naturally. Yes. As you can, like we're okay. Yes. This is gonna be a fun episode to re-listen to because we're both just fired up. I don't know if you guys can tell, but we're both ideas. Like, the wheels are turning. Let's go. This is also be yeah. the greatest times to have ourselves recorded. <laughs> Pew, 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 with ideas yeah okay all right so <laughs> getting, okay you're getting, right in it in you're getting ready to print all right let's start with the most obvious and probably the most important thing to do for printing large patterns and honestly any other printing at all is having a level platen if you haven't heard <laughs> us talk about this enough today is probably the final day we'll bring it up in this level <laughs>
0: no but- I, I am going to interject. I don't feel bad about us repeating this a million times because I was telling you for months that you had to do this and it finally just happened. So I know somewhere out there is someone listening to the podcast and they need constant nagging. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let me just be the first to say that Jillian was absolutely correct. That I definitely avoided this, thinking, "Oh, I don't need to do that. It's fine. I'm not like my my press isn't that far off. It's fine." Well, last week I realized I had like a quarter inch of packing material in my press, and I was like, "This is not okay." <laughs> and so I finally, I finally got the got the guts to get in there. But um, yeah, it leveling your plat. Let me just okay. So leveling your platen is definitely daunting. It's one of those things that you think oh god I don't want to mess with this what if I break it what if I do this and there's a lot of comments and things on the internet that have scared you out of doing it whatever well it's just like anything letterpress related it's a battle of wills you versus the press (laughs) there's (laughs) tons of little finicky adjustments and you know if you adjust one screw too much it messes with all the other ones so it's very much a back and forth tug of war between getting you know the top left and the bottom right to match but once you get it absolutely chef's kiss I swear to you it I I didn't think my press was that bad but it still made a world of difference also it's so nice to put one sheet of packing material in there um, yeah the my press for and be ready to go it's absolutely incredible it made printing this week so much nicer and yeah I think this really is kind of the first step to achieving a really good large print area so if you haven't done this and your press is a little bit off you're spending hours trying to adjust the packing, to try and get the impression even across your sheet of paper. And even then you might not achieve your best look. You just need to bite the bullet and get in there, level your platen. You won't regret it. Yeah, it's, it's worth it. It's worth it. That's all we need to say.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know that one of the things that was playing in my head was that those pieces of hardware were just too stuck and they were never going to move. And the reality of it is that the press would have to be in very, very bad condition for those parts to never, ever move again. And so if the rest of the press is in good operating condition, almost 100% likely, those also just need a little bit of WD-40 and some... Maybe some
1: manpower. There, you know what I mean. Yeah, I definitely <laughs> had to get my husband to help me because I could not get them to budge. But once he got them, I put WD-40 on them, let it sit overnight, per Jillian's suggestion. Thank you, Jillian. And,
0: and that was per John's suggestion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so just, you know, it takes a village, guys. But once you get loose, does? you're you're gonna have no problem doing it. Um, it was just a matter of like I physically didn't have enough body weight to put it, which like. Is one of those funny things about our presses. I was so afraid that I would mess something up or break something or whatever. And it's like <laughs> I literally don't have enough physical body weight to pull the yeah. the the uh wrench enough to get the screw to loosen. Like
0: Yeah. You're more are- likely yeah. gonna break yourself.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So <laughs>
0: yeah I yeah I almost broke I think I mentioned this on our leveling button but I have already broken my sternum once in life so I'm constantly afraid of doing it and I freaking hit my sternum off the throw-off lever when I was doing something stupid trying to level my button so it is more likely that you'll hurt yourself so just be cautious but the funny thing is is you'll start to notice this now Mariah now that you've done it but so up until doing this process I've never once needed a wrench really for my for my printing. I never really adjusted anything. There was one um pin that always likes to fall out Later, yeah. of the side of out of the side of my press, and Zach figured out a way to really get it in there, so at the most I've only ever needed a hammer to put that sucker back in. But now I actually instead of adjusting my packing. I will adjust my platen first, because I know that the platen isn't going to change through the print run, whereas the packing may condense, it may just not be enough support. So especially since we're talking about large print areas, when I'm going from something really small, like an RSVP card, that's just text and lines to something that's big, like the back of a five by seven that has clouds printed all over Mm. it. Um, I will adjust my in between those. And I never thought that would be the case. But now it makes sense why a lot of presses have a little slot that a wrench goes into, because it's something you probably do regularly for these old machines that don't have any other sort of automatic calibration. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's so much calibrating you do on a windmill. And for me, I was just like, oh, that's because a windmill is fancy, but my press isn't fancy. So I don't need to calibrate it. That's <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> God calibrate it. All right. So anyway, that, that is our ramble once again about leveling your platen. Yeah. Do it, do we, it, do it.
1: We are going to start a cult. It's called the level platens and you're all welcome to join us, but you have to level your platen to join. Feel like we're already kind of there, but uh, I, we digress. The next thing, so we're back to printing. So the next thing you want to do after you level your platen <laughs> is to make sure that your press is set up to give you the best ink coverage. So yeah. large print areas are gonna, you know, make sense, right? It's gonna require a little more ink distribution. And your press, mm-hmm. um, if your if your press has the ability to have a third roller and you don't typically use it, now's the time to do so. I For a long time, didn't use my third roller, and now I always use my my third roller. Um, You'll find what you and what's easiest to clean, and all that. But rollers, as they go down your form, whatever you're printing, they're going to have some ghosting effects from the part of the plate they hit first. So depending on the way your your design is oriented and all of that, this could be you know more or less of a problem. If you're running your press with light ink and just two rollers, you're likely going to see that ghosting effect more or, you know, somewhere on the plate. You can also play around with your ink level. There is a fine line between over inking and making sure that you're getting enough ink coverage. I do think that, you know, as you get experience, you can kind of hear what too much ink sounds like, but you can definitely see it. I actually took a really good video of this. I'll probably share that when I was inking up my patterns and adding ink to the ink disc, just so you could visibly see what too much ink looks like. Um, And, you know, it's also a good time to check that your rails are properly taped. If you notice an area of your pattern that's printing heavier than the others, ink-wise, we're not talking impression-wise, you might need a little more tape to raise the roller up in that area. I feel like this often happens in the middle of your plate, That's where it's easiest to tell that this is not a impression thing because you're not gonna you have a large five by seven print area, the center is Mm -hmm. always gonna print the lightest. (laughs) Just impression-wise. It's always gonna be, you know, it's always gonna be the lighter impression area just because of the way surface pressure works. So if somehow your center of your plate is getting over inked, then it's definitely your rails. So I think that's kind of a good place to to start troubleshooting that.
0: Yeah, for me, I've noticed that. Because traditionally, the way my press is set up is my base is almost perfectly centered inside my chase. And then I usually put my plates towards the center of that. So when I am printing a smaller piece, or my normal size pieces, I don't notice that the top and bottom of my rails are not really paid attention to, right? They're not taped as much. So then when I moved into using the bigger patterns, I was getting really heavy ink either at the top or at the bottom. And I had to adjust my taping there. So it's something to note that it could definitely be your ink and not your packing or
1: your platinum. Totally. Yeah. The the ink amount is definitely a big variable when it comes to Because you definitely, I lean into, I see this big print area and I automatically want to slather a whole bunch of ink on there, but that's not usually (laughs) a solution, so.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I do find that I tend to need more ink than my typical prints or the ghosting gets pretty bad. I think some of my most successful patterns, if you took a magnifying glass to them, you would probably say they're over-inked because they get a little bit of that pebbling, Mm -hmm. but I think I would rather a well-saturated print with a little bit of pebbling than the... Too much salty. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: The salty print of an under-inked pattern. Yeah. What was I just going to say? Oh, I was just going to say, so also when it comes to inking, I feel like I have to ink up my press so much more often. Yes. You have to add so many more times to your ink disk when you're printing, like, I was printing runs of like 100 and I had to ink up twice just to complete that run. You know, when you're used to working with text only invitations, reasonable small print areas, etc., printing a large pattern is going to be a learning curve. You just there's a lot yeah. of differences um, in the way that you print and the way that you need to kind of, you know, um, run things. So it's just, you know, something to be aware of and just, you know, don't be afraid the first time. Just try again and, you know, work out some kinks and re-listen to this episode and you'll be ready.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And all of this is good to keep in mind, too, when you're thinking of pricing. If you have the opportunity to see artwork or you know something's going to be a pattern before you send pricing for it, I would bump it up a little bit because these types of projects do take more time, especially because of inking. I average about 25 prints before I have to re-ink if I'm doing a pattern. Yep. I for also, sure.
1: I also would say if you're doing B2B printing, if somebody said, hey, could you print for me? And I said, yes. And then they sent me an A9 design with a full bleed pattern around the edge. I wouldn't, I physically would not be able to complete that. Like I, I would not, yeah. at least not to my level of satisfaction or probably theirs. So, you know, right. your equipment is also something to consider. Um, And if you're taking on B2B jobs or if you're sending artwork to a small printer, you know, Um, make sure to check in on what kind of equipment they have and will this be doable, you know, before you pay that deposit or whatever. Okay, so final part of setup, choosing the right packing material. We've talked about this in previous episodes, but the hardness of the packing that you use will impact the way your print turns out. When working with large patterns, you might want to experiment with different types of packing to see what will get you the best results. Both Jillian and I have used almost everything ranging from, you know, cardstock or chipboard to a shop towel, like the blue paper ones, (laughs) which... (laughs) I'm not gonna lie; it's kind of my favorite, like hot top, hot hot. What is it? Hot tape. Hot tip. Yeah. Hot tip. Yeah, sure. It's. I think that softness of the shop towel has really, like, I don't know. I'm not against it. It, it's done wonders for me. Now I have noticed. I have noticed that,
0: um, if everything's dialed in very well and your ink levels are just absolutely perfect, you can almost pick up the texture. Of whatever is below, especially if you're printing on like 110 pounds. So, I have noticed that I need to put the shop towel under some other paper so that there's a smoother surface in between them. But that little bit of cushion has really allowed me to get good impression and coverage, even if I'm doing a pattern. Yeah. And it's mind blowing.
1: Agreed. I will say that, um, you know, if you're trying to go for like if you're printing two-sided you're probably going to want to use hard packing like the shop towel oh, yeah. the beauty of it is allows your form to go as far through that paper as possible but you know if you're doing a reverse print it's like the back side you're probably going to want to work with hard packing yeah. but yeah if you're really going for that pillowy impression you know we're not afraid to get crafty <laughs> <laughs> you guys already knew that though <laughs> oh, yeah you already you know where we
0: stand on bites and kisses doing what you gotta do oh. yeah <laughs> All right. So let's talk really quick about some troubleshooting. When you're starting to run these prints, there's a few things that you might need to adjust to get the perfect results. And one of those can actually be something that you might think of last because you've already set everything up. And the last thing you want to do is have to re-register and reset up and replace your gauge pins. But to be honest, Sometimes just moving where your base is located in your chase is freaking key. These older presses that have been running for over a hundred years, sometimes they have little sweet spots. And I found that it actually saves me more time and I have less of a headache if I just give in to the press and I'm just like, okay, Gordy, where do you want this bit? Where do you <laughs> want me to put this? so that i don't have to sit here and finagle between adding packing or taping up rails or whatever. And so i said earlier that traditionally my chase is set up at or my base is set up at the center of my chase. But if i'm doing a large pattern, i actually push it all the way up and all the way to the right because for some reason the tops of my rails are more even with each other than the bottoms of my rails. And the one side is just slightly different than the other side. So, if everything is kind of pushed over to the right, I just get the best inking from it. Yeah. So, if it's a smaller piece, I have a really good sweet spot in the center of my press. But if I need good ink coverage across a five by seven or anything larger, then I actually want to go in the upper right corner. So, your press may have a similar situation, or it may not. Gordy could be totally unique, but I highly doubt that. <laughs> I highly doubt it because I have gotten messages before that are like, "Hey, have you noticed inconsistencies with your plate? No, everything I get from Concord engraving has been absolutely phenomenal. It is probably inking or platen leveling or where that plate is sitting in your press. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say that it's impossible for a plate to not be made properly, for sure. but the fact that they run proof prints, I feel goes to show that when you get your plate, it's been checked for quality. Yeah. So I would say that's something to try. And then another thing you can adjust after you're all set up is everything we mentioned above. <laughs> Even if you have set your platen and felt like you checked your rails and went with your favorite packing all of that can be adjusted not only when you're going to register your plate and set up the job but some of it might n- need to be adjusted afterwards you might realize that the ink levels that you started out with required more tape but then as the ink went down you started to get less and less printing in one area and now you realize you have too much tape on that part of your rail so um, everything at the beginning of a project could be very deceiving because you don't actually know which variable you may have messed up on. Yeah. So, um, you can adjust the platen and the tape and ink levels and all that stuff while the job is going on to make sure that it's staying consistent. What ideally every printer should be doing is once they have their first great print <clears throat> that stays to the side of you, or On top right somewhere where you or, can, yeah, somewhere right where you can reference it. So as things change, you can look back and be like, okay, something changed, and I'm not getting this. It doesn't match this anymore. So is it my ink level? Is it this? Is it that? Um, yeah. So it's just a never ending game of freaking adjusting things. Yeah,
1: this is. <laughs> I, I think that large print area pattern printing, like this, is just one of those jobs that you're not going to like put on a netflix show in the background or a podcast and zone out this is something where you're going to be actively looking at every single print as you pull it so um just just part of the part of the fun Um, which
0: goes back to it takes more time it absolutely does these types of projects will always take you more time that is something to consider when you're blocking out your day and when you're
1: building out your pricing absolutely um, and then I think the last thing as far as troubleshooting goes, you know, we've already talked about how we have to get crafty sometimes. Um, but one thing I've mentioned before in other episodes, kind of on other topics, but also relevant here, and this can help you with like when your ink coverage just isn't, it it isn't what you want it to be, then try a different paper. Sometimes I just really want a smooth ink coverage without that saltiness that cotton might give me. So. If it's your design or if it's your creation or if you have a client who's really chill and flexible, maybe try printing on cardstock. I feel like you know getting even ink coverage over a full page pattern or something that can be is is something that can be really difficult. So you know experimenting with other paper types can really come in clutch. Um, this I think is mostly appropriate if you're one not looking for a super intense bite or a pillowy impression per se. Like you'll still get an impression, mm-hmm. um, but you know just. If you're going for that like pillowy look, this is probably not for you. Um, But if you want your ink to look really smooth, uh, I think that this is super helpful for achieving like really rich or really bright colors. I think that this is less Mm -hmm. important for light colors and probably not appropriate at all for a blind pass. But if you're looking for like a solid, like bright color or a really deep color, um, this is definitely something to consider. So that's my that's my last tip.
0: Yeah, I was thinking about this. You know, for business cards, there's a lot of people who send logos and they want this saturated color because they might have like a really vivid brand color or whatever. Mm -hmm. A non-cotton paper is usually better for business cards anyway, because to be honest, the cotton business cards just get beat up. (laughs) They get beat up. But the color coverage on them is amazing. And for something like a business card, it's usually two-sided. You don't want to bite into it anyway, so absolutely using a different kind of cardstock is going to be the way to go yeah. in that case. And then um, the other thing that this made me think of—what um, was? It? Oh, I. So this week, literally later today or possibly tomorrow, I'm going to be printing a fairly large blind pass on a colored cardstock, and <laughs> I am. A little bit terrified because it is, it's something that's going to need a tint to it. So I think we should maybe mention that too. Is a lot of times when printers say blind pass, we're actually going to add a little bit of an ink. And it's usually not just transparent white on its own. Sometimes it's like transparent white with a little bit of black. Or in my case, I'm actually going to add a little bit of the green color to help darken it. But the plate that I'm printing on not only is big in size, but it actually has really big chunks of solid fill. And if you know anything about letterpress, solid fill and letterpress are really, really difficult. They're not impossible but they are difficult and yeah. so I will be reporting back on how that goes. I can't
1: wait. Please record the little edition and post it and paste it into this episode because <laughs> I feel like that'll be that'll be a good experiment. I also am doing yeah. kind of the same thing this week so why don't we check back in on Sunday and see if we have any horror <laughs> stories to share. Yeah.
0: If anything we can post them on Instagram and, yes.
1: uh, as I'm hoping
0: up. we're both um I'm putting it out into the universe that we're
1: both going to be posting very happy success stories for sure. Well, mine will be fine because mine's for me. It's not for a client, so it's a, it's a, pr- a product. So it'll be whatever <laughs> I want it to be, right? So I can kind so, of finagle it yeah. however I need to. Yours will be a little more tricky, but I believe in you. I have faith in us and our level platin's, and I know that you can do it. Okay, go, so already go. All right. We've both been doing lots of printing lately, and I know we've run into some of these scenarios ourselves. So um, tell us, Jillian, what large print areas or patterns are hot off your press lately?
0: Okay. So for large print areas, I have had a few projects that I've printed for the amazing Trout Design. If you don't follow Olivia over at Trout Design, you're missing out. Um, her work is just phenomenal. I've actually talked about it on the podcast before but printing olivia's work has actually really pushed me to hone this process in because she designs all these beautiful patterns sometimes they're just borders but um they have really fine detail in them and i knew after adjusting my platen and doing a couple better mail prints i knew i was capable of doing it and i just think that Employing all of the things we talked about here today took me from knowing I can do it to seeing the results and like tears being in my eyes because they came out so good. There was a lot of doubt in my mind whether I'd be able to bite into the paper, but I employed that shop towel trick and (laughs) fuck yeah, I got that sucker to print with a bite. It looked beautiful. We're both happy. Um, So those have been kind of my big successes for larger patterns because those are usually an A7 or an A7 and a half, but for something that I am just incredibly proud of, I want to case them up all around my walls. I just want to live in the world of this pattern is this new marble line that I'm starting to come out with hundred percent inspired by my day with Aaron when we were marbling paper. But I took a wavy line marble pattern and I broke it up into three plates because I knew I would get better print if I broke it up and The color coverage achievable on these filled areas. They're not just lines. They're not thin lines. Some of it has pretty decent fill. But I I did everything we talked about in this episode. My platen was level. My rails were properly taped. My ink was the perfect amount. And I did have to re-ink like three times, even though I was only printing 50 cards. But the, the coverage, it just. That sweet spot of coverage only lasts so long when you're doing a larger pattern. And I wanted it to be perfect on every card. So I was like, screw it. We're inking up again. We're inking up again. And the result is freaking frame worthy. (laughs) I cannot deal with how much I love these cards. I actually can't look at them. I start to be, I haven't posted them online. I don't want people to buy them. I literally am thinking I'm just gonna wallpaper my studio. With you're hoarding them. them. That's I love that happen. That's
1: really cute. <laughs> well, I've seen photos and I know that they're awesome. So I can't wait for you to release them <laughs> into the wild. Uh, but yeah, that is that's really fun. I love when you print something that so, you're just so happy with that you just want to keep it forever and ever.
0: I know, I know. And you know what's also really fun about doing patterns this is you design it as a completed pattern, but then as you start to print it you see the beauty in just the first layer mm-hmm. or the first and second layer and that's what drove me to realize this needs to not be a one off i need to do a whole line because not only can i switch up the colors i can choose to just do two two of the plates and two different plates and so that's already three or four cards and then incorporating a slightly different version of the marbling that's three or four more cards and all of a sudden with just ordering maybe six plates you have this massive collection yeah and you could just keep changing the colors Infinitely, i mean the yeah. possibilities are infinite yeah. like it's amazing <laughs> i love it Very fun. i freaking love letterpress printing it's the best thing in the whole world <laughs>
1: oh i love it
0: we all know i will not be saying that tomorrow when i have an eight hour press day i'll be like fuck you gordy yeah, by the time eight this episode out.
1: airs jillian will be regretting those words um
0: <laughs> okay mariah i know you have done some really really cool pattern i am obsessed with these new cards yeah uh- please tell us I'm
1: genuinely like so I printed the the pattern like the background for them and I designed them to have like a little saying on top of that and I'm like I just leave them plain and just like sell them as note cards instead of like greetings and just like I say you do half and half I think I think half should be plain I think I'm going to because I really love how they turned out so um I did I did these four beige patterns um they're kind of like boho patterns and I'm just so obsessed with how they turned out I can't get over them I can't wait to Share them in person at the market this weekend, and then they'll be online. Obviously, after that, but um, yeah, I'm super stoked on those, and I think they're going to be a hit. Um, I yeah, so that was after leveling my platen. The first thing I printed, and I can't even I can't even tell you how much of a difference it made to have a level platen for that job. Like, I almost wish I had printed it last week so that I could like do a before and after leveling as an experiment for you all. But um, alas, <laughs> I did not suffer through that. Um, but yeah, they they printed really nicely, and I'm really happy with how they turned out. And it did require some. <laughs> I actually filmed a video um, because I want to share this with the world. But I had to get really creative with my little like registration guides with my little acetate and foam mm-hmm. tape because I planned these full bleed patterns on final print size cards.
0: <clears throat> so I am so glad you brought this up because this has been. Like a, this has been a thing for me for years Yeah, is figuring out, I, we should have talked about this at the top in designing. You always need to at least think of where can I put the tiniest when I'm printing a pattern, I kid you not, I will cut my acetate into a triangle and a very, very narrow triangle and just the tiniest bit of hold on the page but it is so tricky so if you design something that goes round robin full color baby you cannot print on final cut size you've got to make that a bigger piece of paper and cut it down
1: yeah i um well you can (laughs) because i did
0: it (laughs) but But yours yours aren't full yours aren't full color though you have some blank areas right on two of them you don't uh, so you didn't have any space for the other ones? Um, so then where of- did you put your pins?
1: <laughs> um. So, okay. So two of the designs had like little gaps. So I had like eighth inch wide little acetate sheets holding them, right? Um, yeah. I also used foam without acetate to like guide them and then just right. Right. pieces of acetate on some of them to, you know, keep them in place. Um. But on the right. other two, I absolutely, um. I had a guide on the top left above the pattern so like on the back side of the card where the pattern doesn't exist and then I had Uh one barely overlapping the edge of the card on the other side because you really can't have two on like either side you have to have them on like bottom and left or bottom and right you can't have them on left and right Right. so what I did (laughs) you're gonna I I think I have a video so I'll send it to you but um I literally was just grabbing it as it like as the press opened again so it didn't fall through. I literally Girl,
0: would... you're yeah. Girl, you're crazy.
1: Well, yeah, it, it was you're safe. Crazy? It was perfectly safe. I was grabbing it after okay. the press closed, not before. Yeah. And the paper stuck out enough that there was an inch to grab. So like it was very safe, which is important to note everyone. Um yeah. but I definitely was like I lost like four just from falling into the press and like
0: <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, I know. I have, yeah. I've made that mistake before. Like I've done it was thin line work, but it was an all over pattern. I think it was like golfers and golf balls. But there was it was so densely packed that there was literally nowhere that I could put a piece of tape without it impacting yeah. the print. Um so yes, very important to note that you should Think about how you're going to register this in the press. And printing on something larger and cutting it down is totally fine if that's what the pattern calls for. But it's just something for you to note so that when you go to cut your paper or you go to order your paper, you're getting the right size. Yeah, 100%. Something else that I think we should mention I don't have a motor on my press. So I actually have to run my press a lot slower. Because I get way, way, way better ink coverage if it's going, if the press is going slower. When it goes really fast, I notice that um, the ink or the print itself kind of looks ghosty. Not necessarily that um, there's ghosting on it, like parts of it is missing, but it just doesn't have the same look. So for that job for Olivia that I was talking about earlier, that was a five by seven pattern and it had a good bite. I was actually running the press at an obnoxiously slow pace and I was thinking to myself, I wonder how this would work if I had a motor. So did you feel like you were getting really solid ink coverage going at the same speed that you usually run all of your jobs at?
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't think, I don't think that ink coverage is affected by the speed. But I would say that when I was printing those uh, cards that I had to grab before they fell, I don't think that I could have done that while also pedaling and and foot powering a press. I think that there's definitely a, a time when there's, there's like a pros and cons, right? Like if you're, if you're foot treadling your press, you have a lot more, you can slow down and speed up as you need to. And you can have a little extra hang time to do things. But I also feel like when you're trying to do too many things, it can be more dangerous. So I I don't know. I think there's some advantage and disadvantage depending on what your issue is. So
0: um, what actually impacts the um, ink coverage when you print slower is the time when the press is closed. So I actually don't open the press right back up. It's not stuck, but I just run it really slow and I let it sit in the form. And when I pull it back, it has like an amazing impression and ink coverage because it actually like sat with the form for a second. Whereas if I'm just pressing and going mm-hmm. and um, I honestly think running the treadle just becomes second nature. So I don't even think about it because I have done what you've done where you have to have really precarious gauge pin situations because there's nowhere to mm-hmm grasp onto the pre-cut sheet. Um, but yeah. Yeah, so for me, I have run the press slower to be able to achieve a better print result, but it's not something that I ever need if I'm printing, you know, an invitation with just words on it. Yeah. It's only something I've needed if I'm printing those really large super dense patterns. I didn't have to do that when I was printing the marbled cards, but I did have to do it for the trout work.
1: Yeah, and I think it's important to note for all of our listeners that there's a very easy solution to not having proper place to put your cage pins <laughs> or registration guides, and it's just printing on a not final size, <laughs> <laughs> printing on a larger and cutting it down afterwards. We are aware of that and we are obviously, you know, we understand that concept. It's just that. Yeah. And it's me. our preference. Um, it, it It is yeah. my <laughs> preference. I don't
0: care how I have to rig it up. I will always prefer to print on a final cut size because I have a lot of PTSD with cutting things down after the fact. <laughs> and it yeah. not cutting right.
1: Agreed. Okay. Yeah. Or just cutting a millimeter off and yeah. ruining everything.
0: Talk to us about your. Um, didn't yeah. you print so, some stuff on cardstock recently, too?
1: I did, yeah. So this is an invitation that you all won't be seeing for a couple months, but it was a full pattern on the back side and then text on the front side of the invitation. And I, for two reasons, actually did the pattern on cardstock and then duplexed it to cotton paper. So I first of all, didn't want the pattern to show through on the side with text. So duplexing after printing was kind of the solution for that. It's I think really the only surefire way to not get any impression to show through on the other side is to duplex after you print. Um, you could, I probably could have duplexed and then printed the front, but whatever, it was just as easy to print both and then duplex. Um, The other reason I also did cardstock instead of printing that pattern on cotton was because I wanted my ink to be like smooth and even, and it was a really bright kind of green color, a green yellowish color. So I really wanted it to be a nice smooth ink coverage. It was a full, you know, A7 size pattern with bleed. So I had plenty of room to print on a larger sheet and duplex and then cut down. So it turned out really great. I'm super stoked about it. And... Yeah, I mean the the cardstock did exactly what I wanted. I was my test prints. I literally was. I printed a couple on cotton just to the first attempt, and I was already thinking in my head I might do cardstock. I had the cardstock on hand mm-hmm. ready to go. Um, but the first couple test prints, I just I was just nope. I don't want this. I want it to be smooth. I don't care about how much impression I'm going to get. I really my preference was to have smoothing coverage over deep impression. Those were like that was my give and take. So just kind of knowing what I was looking for, I kind of went into it thinking I was going to do that. But I tried it just to see what it turned out like. And I was glad I did. I think it turned out really great. And I'm super stoked to share them on social media yeah. this summer. Um, the wedding is not the, the event is until June. So you're not going to see it till after that. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm so pumped on how they turned out. And there's also like that suite in general is very exciting for me. And it has a little tiny envelope and some fun little things in it. So. Um, yeah, it's it's a good one, but yeah, I the cardstock did exactly what I wanted. It was the perfect ink coverage. Um, you know, I wasn't worried about the impression so much, and then I didn't have any show through. And then because I duplexed cotton to the front for the text and everything, you still get that cottony, pillowy impression. The whole card is super thick. It's it just turned out perfect, and I'm I'm really happy with how how yeah. I did all of that. That's so. one
0: thing I really yeah. love about this craft is that the more you get into it, the more experience you have, you're able to make these choices that just really amplify your work. And it's just such a beautiful thing that it, it never really feels like you've hit a ceiling or a wall or anything like that. You just You learn so much more about your press and about materials and about your design capabilities and your printing capabilities. And You just make these choices that make projects easier and more fun and more impactful and more beautiful. And Mm -hmm. I mean, someone recently popped into our DMs and asked us, you know, do we think, you know, this is a worthy kind of career path to follow down? And, you know, for everyone, that's, you know, their own individual journey and story and answer, right? Because who knows? Do you have the problem solving capabilities? are you patient? Yeah. Yeah. Are you stubborn? Are you patient? Are you all these things? But I am constantly just overwhelmed with how fulfilling this career can be. Even on days when I'm like, God damn it, I just want to go into a job and clock in and get a paycheck and leave and Have my taxes be very easy to do because they're already taken out of my paycheck and all of that stuff, XYZ. It's usually around this time of year that I start questioning myself. (laughs) But at the (laughs) end of the day, you know, when I sit down with Zach and we have deep conversations about what I do and how I feel about it, there's truly nothing more fulfilling. And anything else I can even imagine doing doesn't feel as fulfilling as printing because every day is a new freaking journey. And so much fun. And just knowing yeah. that you even tested it out for yourself, you were like, okay, let's just run one on card st- or on cotton and see how it goes. You just reaffirmed that you already knew what you thought you knew. I just feel it's yeah. so good. It's so good. And I love it.
1: Yeah, it is. It, it definitely has been a season of very satisfying print. Uh, where the work we're creating is coming to life and it's turning out even better than we imagined it, or it's working all smoothly, and you know, it, we're we're in a season where, knock on freaking wood, but things are going fairly yeah. well, you know. And it's like those days when nothing is printing right and you just have to walk away and leave your shop a mess and come back to it tomorrow. Like those aren't happening right now, but they will happen again, and that's part of the journey, and that's what makes those days when printing goes smoothly so satisfying. So um, yeah, we've powered through and we're, we're in a good moment right now. And, um, yeah, it's really fun to see. It's, it's, I agree with you though. Like it's been very satisfying lately, like watching things come to life and being able to tangibly see your prints being, you know, that stack of completed prints getting taller, like it is so satisfying and we're creating some really fun stuff right now. And, um, I, I have some really wonderful clients who I'm super grateful for and some really fun projects in the work, so it's just um yeah it's a good season of getting shit done and it's been really fun yeah
0: yeah yeah oh my gosh look at
1: us getting all sappy here speaking of of sappy
0: y'all this is yet again another season finale and tears teardrop um mariah and i are going to be taking a break to catch up on everything we just mentioned and all the wedding mayhem yeah. going on and also to start gathering some great research for season five. We want to continue to bring you guys really good letterpress content and we want to make sure that our episodes are helping to serve you. We have heard from some of our listeners and it is just, it's so freaking heartwarming to see people tagging us in their platinum leveling posts and showing their showing off their results or DMing us or commenting on our live videos and mentioning that they're listening from a different part of the world and they don't even like it's so heartwarming and y'all we freaking love it because letterpress can feel really lonely depending on where you are and how you're starting and if you live in Alaska and there are no book art centers <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so to create a space that we can all easily connect into has been incredibly fulfilling, if not as equal to how we feel about our recent work because all of it is just so good. Um, But we really look forward to bringing you some great stuff. We'll be back over the summer. Um, We've already been talking to our BFF Shelly from Concord Engraving about halftone plate making (laughs) because... Yeah, so that's that's coming (laughs) soon. That is definitely coming soon. (laughs) Um, We've got some guests lined up that do super fantastic work, both in the letterpress realm as well as just in different types of paper arts. And we want to do more Q&A episodes. That is something I feel like we haven't done in a while, but we haven't gotten a lot of cues from people so if you have a letterpress question that you want us to answer or you want us to find an expert to answer because really that's always great um submit them to Mm -hmm. hello at dot com, and don't forget to follow us on instagram so you could stay up to date with all of our latest news and also see
1: the results of the projects we're printing this week (laughs) <laughs> yeah, see how this all shakes up in a couple of days. And if yeah. you've
0: been loving Hot Off the Press, it would mean the world to us if you popped on over to Apple Podcasts and gave us a review. Five stars would be amazing. We want to continue to connect with letterpress people all over the world. We would love to interview some people from other parts of the world. So, By you guys leaving us a review it helps amplify the podcast it helps
1: us get out there more and we would love to do that we so appreciate every single one of you for listening for commenting for sharing episodes talking about half the press with people that you know or on social media and uh we look forward to catching up with you again next season all right
0: guys
1: Bye. Bye. bye